Father, we're just so thankful for who you are, Lord God. We're so thankful, Lord God, that, that you are the God who was, the God who is, the God who is to come. We thank you, Adonai, that, that you are the great I am. That you, Lord God, are, are who we need. You have everything we need. And in your presence, there's fullness. In your presence, there is fullness. Fullness of joy. Fullness of peace. Fullness of love. Thank you, Adonai, for who you are. And thank you for all that you are. And thank you, Adonai, that the fullness of who you are is, is sent in the person of your son. Of who we have our salvation. From who we have our salvation. We come to you today in his name. In the name of Yeshua. Amen. Thank you, Father. The whole story of the Bible is a story of restoration of relationship. The whole Bible. It starts when Adam, it says, that such intimate Intimate wording that's used in the garden story in Genesis where God is walking around in the cool of the day. And it's, it's so we glean from that that the relationship between God and man at that time was so intimate and so connected and so close. It's as if they were just walking together on a path. Like I love to go hiking. It's one of my enjoyable pastimes, and Susie and I love to hike. And imagine just walking on a path, like, with the Lord. And it's so tangible, and it's so real, and it's, 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 it's so personal that he's, it's as if he's right there with you. It's as if he's enjoying the scenery with you. And this is the expression that is, that is portrayed in the book of Genesis before uh, they ate that fruit, and everything changed. And we're still recovering from it. <laughs> They talk about long COVID. How about long <laughs> fruity, whatever you want, <laughs> whatever you want to call it. Really long, right? But this whole Bible is about relationship. Because don't think for one second that that didn't happen intentionally. That that didn't happen from God's prominence and 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 his 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 providence. Don't think that didn't happen without his oversight and his authority. God knows what he's doing. And the whole story of the Bible is about coming back into relationship with God. And God revealing himself once again to mankind. Revealing himself to a people. First revealing himself to a nation, to a person, then to his children, then to a nation, and then to the world. And restoring that connection. There's Jewish thought that once the temple was destroyed, you know, when, the, when Israel was in sin, whether it was first when they were expelled into Babylon or then when the temple was destroyed a generation after Yeshua and then the Romans came in and destroyed, it destroyed Jerusalem and, the, and the, the, um, they were scattered, the Jews were scattered around the world, that God almost took a step back. That's the Jewish thought. Like with the, he took a step back, like his presence took a step back. But God wants to restore. He wants to restore his presence. And it's not that he took a step back. It's that it pleased him to reveal himself in his son. He didn't take a step back. He actually drew close through Yeshua. It says that the fullness of God, the fullness of God dwells within him bodily. And his accessibility is not just for a nation, but it's for the whole world. 
And through him, all nations, all people, all generations will be restored to God. And it's just, we're just walking in it. And we're just walking in it. And we're just, we're just marching towards that, that time, that, that full connection, the full restoration, the full reparation of, of the connection with God. He reveals himself to Abraham as El Shaddai. Can I have the, um, the clicker? What's that? Front chair. Thank you. He reveals himself to Abraham as, as El Shaddai. But there was just, it was just a next step in his restoring the connection with the world. Where he started with one man, Abraham, and he said, I'm going to reveal myself to you. As an all-sufficient God, God Almighty, El Shaddai. And then generations later, he came to Moses and said, I'm going to reveal myself to you in a new way. I'm going to give you my name. I'm going to show you my name, the, the yud heh vav He says, I did not, even though that name, yud heh vav is all throughout Scripture, right from Genesis. He didn't reveal himself that way to his people, but he revealed himself that way to Moses. And there's a lot of, you know, viewpoints, especially... Um, uh, Jewish viewpoints on, on the yud heh vav on the ineffable name of God, about how, um, how holy it is. Now, in Jewish thought, the, the name of God, the yud heh vav which is where you, you get um, Yahweh and, and Jehovah, right? These are all sort of anglicized ways of, of, of saying this Hebrew, yud heh vav But in Jewish thought, um, it's actually saying this name without even knowing the correct pronunciation is actually considered a breach of the, of the, of the third commandment. Like, it's, it's very challenging for a Jew to believe in Jesus. And when a Jew comes into a messianic congregation like this one, there's a couple of things they're going to have to get used to. <laughs> but this one's a biggie. Because in Judaism, the, the, the speaking out of the yud heh vav heh is actually a, a, it's a, a, it's an egregious sin. It's not just a small sin. It's an egregious sin. Um, you know, so they don't say it. So that's where we say, in case you don't know, that's where we'll say things like Adonai or Hashem. Adonai means Lord. Um, in place of that, in, in reverence to that Jewish custom that, you know, that we don't know the translation of it. And um, it's really tough to make a biblical case for it, to be honest with you, because all throughout the Old Testament, the yud heh vav is used all over from beginning to end. It seems to be used in writings. It's used even in conversations. It's used in blessings. Um, but it seems at some point, the way I see it at least, and others may disagree, the way I see it at least is that by the time of Yeshua in the first century, it became more ubiquitous, it became more common to call him Lord, uh, because that's at least what I see in the New Testament. Now, mind you, the New Testament is written in Greek, so there might be some translational issues with that, but the New Testament uh, actually has a word for Lord, and it's kurias, and it just means Lord. Um, we, we see it in when talking about human lords. Like in Matthew 10, it says, a disciple's not above his master or the servant above his Lord. Kurios. But we also see that word kurios when Yeshua is actually quoting Torah and Tanakh where the yud heh vav heh is used. And he uses the same word kurios, which is Lord. So the way I see it, at least, and others may disagree, that by the time of Yeshua, it became more commonplace to call him Lord. Uh, even when he's quoting the Shema, you shall love the Lord, uh, uh, Kurias, your God with all your heart. And there's another place where he's quoting the Psalm where it says, uh, the Lord said to my Lord. Now, if you look at the Hebrew of the Psalm that he's quoting, it's, it's yud heh vav said to Adoni. 
the Lord, Yudhevavhei, said to my Lord, Adoni, but the way it is, in, in, at least in the Greek, when in the, in the gospel writings, it's both kurios. It's both uh, kurios. The Lord said to my Lord. So this tells me that at least at this point, it became commonplace to call God by Lord. And this is a tradition that I keep and, and many of us keep, and though there might be some disagreements um, to call him Lord. Uh, there's one place in uh, Revelation that it says when this is when Yeshua comes, he's on a horse. It says at the end of that verse, he's clothed, clothed with a robe dipped with blood, and his name is the word of God. Well, that's obviously Yeshua. It says he has a name written on him, which no one knows except himself. Now, from my perspective, if he has a name, if Yeshua has a name written on him, it's got to be the name of his father. That's at least the way I see it. That's, that's the way I see it. But it's, it says it's a name written which nobody knows except himself. Could that be, you know, you know because, you know, nobody knows the actual, the actual um, pronunciation of yud heh vav -Hey? I'm not sure. Um, as far as the Jewish tradition that says we forgot how to pronounce this, and that's why we don't say it, this is the Jewish tradition um, that it's not said because the actual pronunciation of whether Yahweh or Yahovah or, ya or Yahuwah or so many, uh, many ways that you can say it, it was actually forgotten. My own belief, and I'm not saying this bears witness in rabbinic writings, but this is how I see it, and I'm going to tell you what I feel happened. Um, when you look at this Torah portion, when God is with Moses up on the mountain and Moses is interceding for the people because they sinned with the golden calf and he's up there begging God and pleading God. He says, I'm not, we're not going if you're not with us, so please forgive your people. And he has this really intimate moment with God. And when God says, okay, I'll forgive, Moses says, show me your glory. Like, show me who you really are. Like this intimate moment, you know. He received the forgiveness. All his intercession was accepted. And now he's like, God, just, just really show me who you are. And, and, and God says, I will make all my goodness pass before you, and I will proclaim before you the name, the Lord, yud heh vav -Hey, the Lord. It seems to me, the way I read it, that there was something very special happening. That when God proclaimed the name, yud heh vav -Hey, oh, and Moses, you know, over Moses, that he passed by Moses, and he said, yud heh vav -Hey, yud heh vav -Hey, the Lord, the Lord. Something unique was happening. Something special. Something that can't just be replicated by a human. I see the same thing in, the, uh, in number six with the Aaronic or the priestly blessing. When the, when the priest says, as I do, Yivarechacha Adonai V'yishmarecha. It's actually Yivarechacha Yudhevavhei V'yishmarecha. And we say Adonai. It seems to me that something unusual is happening. Happening. It's not a normal thing because it says that the name of God is invoked and placed on the people when you do it. It's not a normal blessing. Something very special is happening. So from my perspective, and I'm not saying I have witness with rabbinic writings or anything like that, but this is how I see it, that when God spoke his name over Moses as he passed by him, what came out of him was very special. Arguably not even pronounceable by a human. Like whether we say Yahweh or Yahavah or Yahuwah or whatever it is, it seems that what was for me, the way I see it, what was said was probably impronounceable by any human tongue. It was that special. And even when the priests do it, it almost seems like they had this special spiritual gift to speak God's name in a very special way over the people. Not a normal, like, God bless you, or the Lord bless you. Something very unique was happening. And I believe, because we know that the priesthood, who were the ones instructed to give that blessing, became sinful. It was the Sadducees, and they became very sinful. I believe that God pulled that back. This is my belief. 
I believe that God pulled that back so it wasn't like the, for, that, like the translation was forgotten. It's that God stopped speaking it through the people because of their sin. That's how I see it. You may disagree, but that's how I see it. But the one thing, and we got to be careful with, with the pronunciation of the Lord, because especially in Messianic circles, you, we can get kind of religious about it. Certainly we could see in, in certain Messianic settings, like people thinking, that you got to call Jesus Yeshua, and if you call him Jesus, that wasn't his real name, he's not going to listen. That's a lot of malarkey. I don't mean to quote the current president by saying that, but that's a lot of malarkey. God knows who you're talking to when you talk to him. You can call him, you can, whatever it is, he knows your heart. You don't have to get it all right. He knows who you, who's, who, when you're speaking to him because he hears the cry of your heart. If somebody is out there and doesn't know anything and is crying out and doesn't even use the right name, but he's crying with a pure heart, God hears him. So, you know, we need to be careful that we don't get overly religious about it because God really knows who, he's talk, you know, who we're talking to when we cry out to him from, from our whole heart. And to me, like the most more important thing than an accurate translation is the meaning of what it is and the meaning of, of yud Hey vav Hey. And I always go back to this because it's so special and precious that when Moses went to God and said, okay, you're sending me to the people and they're going to ask me what your name is and what do I say? He said, I am, I am, I am, I am, or it's I will be, what I will be in Hebrew, it's a yeah, a share, a yeah, I am, a yeah, I am. And there's so much reality in the, in the, in the reality that he's I am, because in his I am, there's permanence. There's his singularity as the only God. But there's also the reality that he could be what you need him to be. I am. As he was passing before Moses, he said, I will be merciful to who I will be merciful. I will be gracious to who I will be gracious. That almost sounds like a reprimand. Like Moses saying, oh, God, be gracious to these people. And he's like, shut up. That's almost what it's, I'm going to be, I'm, I'll be gracious to who I think I need to be gracious to. That's almost what it sounds like. You don't tell me who to be merciful to. I'm going to be merciful to who I want to be merciful to. That's almost what it sounds like, but that's not what it means. It means that if you need mercy, he will be merciful. This is I am. If you say, Adonai, I need mercy, he says, I am. If you say, I need grace, he says, I am. Do you need forgiveness? He says, I am. Do you need correction? He says, I am. In the fullness of what it is of I will be what I will be and I am what I am. It means that what you need, how he needs to bring you to himself, he will be. Because I am loves you that much. And if I am needs to be manna so you can eat him, even because you don't recognize him in the flesh, you'll bring bread that you got to eat. What is this? I'll eat it. I am the manna. I will be what I will be because he knows your heart and he knows the cry of your heart 
even more than you do. And he knows the cry of your heart beyond what's coming out of your mouth. Because you may say, Lord, I need a car. And it's not like he's saying, I am that car. Well, maybe he is saying that. Not the physical car. I am your transportation. I am your way to get from point A to point B. This is why the people were in, the, in the wilderness were begging for food. And God said, I am your food. I am. I am your food. Oh, Lord, I need money. I got to pay the rent. I am your wealth. And when we receive that, and when we know that he is our all in all, that is why yud hey vav hey I am is unbounded. He will be what you need. He will be your healer. Do you need healing? I am. God, I need healing. I am. I am. And in the Hebrew, it's not only I am what I am, it's I will be. So if you're still ex experiencing a sickness where you're still waiting for your healing, don't you worry, because he, will, he is, I will be what I will be. So we thank you, Adonai, for the fullness of who you are and the fullness of who you are to us. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. You are who we need you to be because you know, Adonai, what we need. We don't even know what we need. That's why you, 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 the, the disciples went to Yeshua and said, teach us how to pray. What a dumb question it almost seems, but it's reality because we don't know what to say or what to pray. It almost seems so small and, and, and trite, the things that we ask for. But just know that the answer is I am. I am. Which transcends the physical need that you might be asking for. We had so much prayer earlier for, for health and for praying for Nathan's brother, right? On the, on, the, on the armed forces. He needs help. He needs protection. I am. I am. I am your protection. I am. I am. And what a blessing in that ironic priestly blessing that that's the name he puts on us. So we can be a vessel of I am to those who are in need. So when somebody says, oh God, thank you for bringing this angel of light to bring me food when I was hungry. He will answer, I am. Because you answered the call to be I am to that person. Do you see? He puts the name on you. That's what it says the priestly blessing does. It puts the name of God on the people. It's not a normal thing that happens. It puts his name on the people. The priests already have the name. They have a headband that says, yud heh hey holy to the Lord. Only the priests have it. But then they give the blessing, so everybody has it. That's a foreshadow of being a nation of priests. Come on, somebody. 
good stuff. Thank you, Father. So in our Haftorah portion, which are the prophetic readings that, um, that coincide with the Torah readings, uh, we read about Eliyahu Hanavi, Elijah, the prophet, and a very famous story of Elijah, the prophet, where he was coming against the prophets of Baal. Now, this was a time of great famine in Israel, and there was a time also of great sin in the land, and even the leaders were sinful. We see this incredible connection between the sinful leaders of Israel and a drought, a famine. We see the, the physical manifestation of a spiritual sickness that was happening in the land, the physical manifestation with Jezebel and, and Ahab as, as king and queen, and the sin and the worship of Baal that was happening. And there was a drought in the land over that time as well, because there's a, there's a connection between the physical and the spiritual. And now it was time. And Eliyahu Hanavi, the prophet, brings forward the people of Israel, and he brings the prophets of Baal, and we all know the story. And he had the prophets of Baal sacrifice an ox and then call on the name of Baal to consume from fire, with fire the, the offering, and everybody's waiting, and they're looking at their watch, and Eliyahu Hanavi is being sarcastic. Maybe he's in the bathroom. You know, maybe he doesn't have enough toilet paper. You know, and he's being, being really sarcastic about it. Literally sarcastic about it. And it's happening and they're beating their chest and doing all these things and trying to invoke a false god and nothing happens. And then Eliyahu calls on the name of God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Israel. Let it be known today that you are God. You know, and fire comes from heaven, consumes the offering. And then the people are like, and the Lord, he is God. And the Lord, he is God. And is he forevermore. For the Lord, he is God. Bless the Lord, he is God. And he shall reign. So that's what they're saying. That's where the, the song, the Paul Wilbur song gets its, its, its verses from, from that chapter. So that's what, that's what they're singing. Oh, the Lord, he is God. Right, so now all of a sudden, now, now Eliyahu Hanavi, who had this amazing encounter with the Lord, a fire power encounter, where God came down and consumed that offering with, with fire from heaven, now, Jezebel's really upset with him, and this same Eliyahu Hanavi, this powerful guy, had to flee for his life, and he's sitting in a cave, and he's going, God, if you could just kill me now, I'll be good with it. Thank you, Adonai, that you really don't listen to us that much. Because in these moments, we could say things that we don't need, and this is why it's so important to know that the great I am knows what you need more than what you say. Because we say, Dumb things. Oh, Lord, kill me. Just, I'm done. I'm ready. Remember what happened to that ox? Here I am. I'm ready. No more. But he doesn't listen to that. He doesn't listen to that. So this Eliyahu called on the great I am. The one who came in fire. And then it says... That God revealed himself in an earthquake, in, a, in fire, in wind, earth, wind, and fire. And he said that God wasn't in it. But God was in that whisper. He was in the still, small voice. He was just in the fire in the previous chapter. Because he needed the I am to show up as fire. But now he didn't need the fire. He needed the intimacy. 
and God showed up. I am showed up as a breath, as a whisper, as intimacy, as comfort. He needed comfort, and God said, I am. The same God that just came down in fire said, now you don't need fire. You need love, and I'm going to give it to you. This is what I am is all about. Thank you, Father. And I will close, because I can't close without lifting up the name of Yeshua. The psalm says that he will elevate, magnify his word above his name. That's why it says in the New Testament, at the name of Yeshua, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that he is Adonai. And Yeshua said, invoking God's name, truly I say to you before Abraham was, I am. Which means that in our Savior, we have the fullness of I am available. And it pleased the Lord to reveal himself through his son. It says, So what do you need him to be? What do you need him to be today? Do you need him to be a healer? I am. Do you need him to walk with you on a hike? I am. Do you need him to be a husband? I am. Do you need him to be father? I am. I can go on and on with this, but there's actually a song that speaks to this really, really well. And I'd like to close with this song that speaks about I am knowing what you need I am to be at a moment throughout your life. And may this song even minister to you. So if we can play it on the iPod, I'll go through the lyrics. Thank you, Father.
Stay. 